There are so many times that uh, I'm surprised at the holidays that are going on, and I didn't even know it was a holiday, you know. I'm not uh, familiar with, say, Muslim holidays and what feasts they might be celebrating when and what special weeks are coming up for them, and yet I can only assume that people within that faith, they're aware of those things, you know. Uh, Passover began on Wednesday, if I recall correctly from looking at my calendar, and yet didn't really make much of a difference to me. This day, Easter, makes a difference to me. I, I recognize it. I see it coming, and I plan, you know, as I, as I plan out the year of uh, sermons and, and what do I want to teach this year, what do I feel like God's leading me to, one of the things I do is I'll look up when is Easter going to be, you know, because that's important. And we organize our lives to a certain extent around when is Easter going to show up this year. It is an important day to us. But not the whole world recognizes the importance of it. For them, it's just another day. And if we can think about it, Close to 2,000 years ago, it was just another day for a lot of people. A lot of people at that time did not recognize the importance of that morning, the importance of that day and, and what was happening. I, I remember driving home from the hospital with uh, my oldest son in the cars after his birth and feeling like it was weird that other cars weren't stopping and pulling over to the side when we came through. It was such a, an important and momentous day, and yet the rest of the world was going on as if it was just another Thursday. And the same is true that morning. Uh, amazing things had gone on, but most people just didn't even recognize. And even to this day, a lot of people don't recognize what has happened. They don't recognize Jesus as Savior. They don't recognize what God has done. And if there's one thing I would like for us to do today, it would be that we could come to the place or be in the place where we recognize who Jesus Christ is and what He has done. And this idea of do we recognize Him? Do we recognize what He has done? It is an important part of our passage this morning as, as we go to a unique story only found in Luke. The, the fact that the disciples were hidden away in the upper room and that Jesus came and visited with them, well, that happens a couple of times in different Gospels. The, the fact that the women go to the, the tomb that morning and, and it's empty and they don't find the body, well, that's recorded in all the Gospels. But this story is unique to Luke. And we really don't know the primary people in it. One of them is named Cleopas. The other guy or, or gal, we don't know who it is. And it's a very interesting look at the world going on after Jesus' death. You know, we need to remember that uh, Jesus was crucified during the Passover. He was crucified and buried during a time when the Israelites, all of them would have come back to Jerusalem for the celebration and for the feast. And afterwards, they would go home. And, and that's probably what's going on here. We have two disciples who are uh, 
people who were following Jesus to some degree going home, maybe, to the village of Emmaus. And and we're going to pick up on this in verse 13. The reading we had earlier uh, began the chapter of Luke 24 where uh, the women went to the tomb and they found it empty and the, the stone rolled away. They went looking for a body and the body wasn't there and instead they found these angelic messengers. And this has been reported. And so we are told in verse 13, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. So they're, 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 they're discussing, they're talking about the crucifixion. They're talking about the arrest and all that went on and the trials. And they're, they're talking about the news that they have just heard from these women that the tomb is empty and that these angels had spoken to them. And they are, they're just on their journey, walking along the road, talking together, trying to understand. And verse 15 tells us that while they were talking and discussing, Jesus Himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him. So just just try, let's take ourselves back to this, this morning, one day. And these two disciples, these two followers of Jesus are discussing what has been happening that weekend and the report that they heard that morning. And as they're going along, another traveler approaches them and joins them on the road. And, and we are told Luke knows that this is Jesus Himself. That Jesus Himself approached and began traveling with them. But Luke also tells us that their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him. They know Jesus, and yet in some way they are unable to recognize Him as who He is. They, they see a person, but they don't see Him truly for who He is. And, and this is kind of a, a blindness that happens often in, in, in Scripture, well, more than once or twice, where, where people aren't struck blind to the sense that they don't see, but they don't see what is really there. And so they, they, they don't realize in one time that they're walking into the center of the Israeli army camp. Another time where they can't see the door that's right there, but they're blinded. They, they're, they're, they're able to see, but not see what they really want to see. And, and for his own purposes, his own reasons, God has kept them from recognizing Jesus as he is walking along with them. I find it interesting that Jesus is taking the time to walk along with these two. And in fact, all these events that, that, that happened earlier in the morning, we don't know when this journey began, but just think about walking seven miles in a day. And then think about the fact that as we get there later that it will be getting too late and they invite Him to come into their house because uh, the day is growing late. So, so he spends a good, healthy portion of his day, of his resurrection day, just walking along with these two people. Isn't it amazing that he is willing to take that time to walk with them? And, and 
we don't even know who they both are. But as he's walking with them in verse 17, he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And their reaction is they stood still looking sad. Like it, it, it hurts them even to have to try to figure out how are we going to answer this man. All that is going on in our lives, it, it, they're, they're confused, they're struggling to comprehend. And that they're walking along with a man from Jerusalem, they're on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and he's asking them what they're talking about. Are you, are you serious? You don't know what has happened? You don't know what is happening in our lives? And, and so one of them named Cleopas, he answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And, and this is one of those... Uh, things that uh, the, the, the writer does where he is introducing some humor here for us. That, that Cleopas would say, are you the only one who is unaware of what has been happening in these last days? Uh, of course, what we know and what Luke knows and what he's hoping that we will all understand is that of all of them, of all of the people on earth that day, Jesus is the only one who understood. He was the only one that was truly aware of what was really happening. They're aware of, of the events, but they don't understand. They don't comprehend. He is aware, but is asking them, what are you talking about? What is this that you're discussing as you're walking along? And Cleopas is just, are, are, are you kidding me? Have you really been in Jerusalem and you don't know all the events that just happened? Are you really, you've got to be the only person who isn't aware of what has happened. Like you must have had your head stuck in the ground to not be aware of what has gone on these last few days. But in verse 19, Jesus said to him, what things? Tell me exactly what's going on. Tell me exactly the events that I'm supposed to be paying attention to. And so they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people. He was, he was somebody who told us God's word. He explained to us he was mighty not only in, in word, but also in deed, and not only as far as we're concerned, but as far as God is concerned, and as far as all the This was a great man. And yet, in verse 20, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, as if this wasn't enough, as if it wasn't enough that we had this great prophet and teacher who was Jesus, who, who, who was recognized by all as being great, not only did our, our chief priests and our rulers deliver him to the sentence of death and have him crucified, and, and he was the one we were hoping was going to redeem us. He was the one we were hoping would save us. But not only that, indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. It's, this happened three days ago. 
And this morning, uh, in verse 22, but also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. So they, they went to the tomb. They didn't see a body, but they did see angels. And those angels told them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, they went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. So we had people who went and confirmed the story from the women. They didn't find a body. They did not see him. But him they did not see. They saw everything as the women had said it was. But him they did not see. So so they're trying to comprehend all that has happened, that Jesus was so great, and yet how did He get arrested and crucified? But not only that, it's three days later, and now they've had stories this morning from the women who went to the tomb, and they went looking for the body so that they could finish all that they were going to do for the body uh, for death. They didn't have enough time to do it completely the night before the Passover. And now the body's not there, but they've seen... A vision of angels. And those angels have told them that Jesus is alive. So, so they have all the information they need. They, they know that Jesus died on the cross. They know from the angels that He is alive today. Not only that, there were other people who went and confirmed that the women were telling the truth. They couldn't find the body. It is possible to know everything and to know nothing. They know the information. They know about Jesus. They know who He was. They know what He taught. They know He died. And they've heard that He has risen again. And yet, they're sitting here discussing and debating what's going on. And when Jesus asks them, what are you talking about? They don't excitedly and joyfully say, Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified three days ago, we have report he is alive today. No, their response is to look at him sadly. They are sad when they look at him as he asks, what's going on? What are you talking about? They have all the information. But just like they are unable to recognize Jesus, they are prevented from recognizing him, they are not able to recognize, to understand all that is going on. They say to Jesus, how are you unaware? How do you not know what is going on? And yet, they are the ones who are unaware. They're the ones who do not know all that has happened. Even though they have all the information. There are, there are people alive today even, 2,000 years later, who have all the information and still do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We hear it, we, we you know, can recite it, and yet don't know it. Don't understand what it means. They might even debate it, but it doesn't change their lives. How terrible to be in a spot where you know so much, and yet don't know Jesus. 
And that's their problem. They don't recognize him. They don't recognize what's going on and what has happened. And so Jesus, as he has been walking with them and listening to them, as they say this to him, that they have the report angels have expressed and proclaimed that he is alive. Jesus, in verse 25, he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. O foolish men and slow of heart to believe. You have heard it all. You have categorized it in your mind. And yet, you're slow to believe it. You can even tell me what has gone on, but you are slow to believe in your heart all that the prophets have spoken. He's saying it's not just about today, it's about all that has gone before today. And so he tells them in verse 26, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? It was necessary. It had to happen. Why are you surprised that He was crucified? Why are you surprised that He was handed over? It was necessary. It had to happen. That word necessary, the, the Greek word that Luke used, is a word that's um, from a verb to bind. It's the idea that it was, you know, we, we say it was bound to happen, right? Oh, it was bound to happen sooner or later. Think of what we mean when we use the word bound. When you bind somebody or when something has been bound, past tense, it has been tied up. So when we say something was bound to happen, it was as if it was tied up in happening. It, it was connected. It had to happen. And that's what Jesus is saying. It was necessary. It had to happen. There was no getting around the need for Him to be crucified for our sins. For Him to die for our sins. And then, oh, I wish Luke had more information to give us for this. In verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. Now, uh, Moses and all the prophets, what that is, that, that's a way of saying what is our Old Testament. Moses are the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And then the prophets, you know, that's Isaiah and on. And, and what he is saying is, is that in the law and in the prophets of God's proclamations later on, throughout all of Scripture, it has been talking about me. It has been talking about my sacrifice. It is talking about this need. And Jesus went through all of Scripture explaining. That, that word explaining, it means to open up completely. To uh, even interpret. So He is explaining to them. He is opening up all of the Scriptures so that they can properly understand what it has said about Him. How awesome that Jesus would take the time to explain to them. I wish Luke had given us more of that. But it wasn't His purpose. What He wanted us to know is that Jesus opened up their minds to understand and He showed them the Scripture and explained it to them as they 
as he went through all of it. And we don't know how long that took, but that was a seven-mile journey, so he probably spent a good amount of time explaining to them all that had happened and why it had happened and, and why it was fulfilling Scripture from the Old Testament. And, and as they were going along, verse 28 tells us, and they approached the village where they were going, Emmaus, and he acted as though he were going farther. So, so he is acting as if he has a, a, you know, more to go. So they need to separate now. They need to split. But can you imagine these disciples? They've, they've enjoyed walking with this man who has been explaining to them all of the Scripture and how it pertains to the sacrifice of the Christ. And so they urged him in verse 29, saying, stay with us. For it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And, and, and what they're suggesting is, is that it's getting dark, there's dangers on the road, stay with us. Literally, abide with us. Remember when we looked in John chapter 5, you know, he who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And, and Jesus' admonition to us that we must abide with him, they're saying to him, stay with us, abide with us. Come spend the night. Don't be on the road at dark. Stay with us. They, they're seeking a little bit more time with him. And as we see in verse 29, so he went in to stay with them. He decided to abide with them. As he went in with them, and in verse 30, when, when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. And He vanished from their sight. Now, amazing thing is happening here and it's, it's very tempting to allegorize this entire passage. Right? Uh, Jesus is walking along with them and they don't recognize Him. And I think for a lot of us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there was a period of time where Jesus was walking along with you, where His Holy Spirit was, was communicating to you in your heart and opening you up to Him, even though at the time you were not recognizing Him. It's possible if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ today, but you're here today, that He is walking alongside of you. He is asking you about the things going on in life, and He is showing you Himself in Scripture and in other ways. And there is a need, and Jesus tells us that we need to uh, invite Him into our lives. He talks about you know, coming in and cleaning out the heart and getting rid of all the, the wickedness and sin. He talks about in, in Revelations that He knocks at the door, and anybody who would open up the door to Him, He will come in and He will have fellowship with them, and He will abide with them. And, and here we see they invite Jesus in. And so you could easily allegorize us and say we need to invite Jesus Christ into our lives. And that is true. But also notice when you invite Jesus in, He takes ownership. He takes leadership. He takes the position of the host. He is reclining at their table. And yet it is Jesus who takes the bread and blesses it. And breaking it, He began giving it to them. He is the one taking on the leadership role of the host at the table, blessing the bread, 
breaking it and giving it to them. And it's through His giving of the bread to them that their eyes are opened up. And all of a sudden, they recognize Him as Jesus. Now that tells us a a couple of things. First, uh, that Jesus, when He rose again, was the same person. He was recognizable to them. He, he, He wasn't somebody different. He didn't all of a sudden have different hair. They recognized Him as being the same person, the same body. He died on the cross. They had been kept from being able to see Him. They had been prevented from recognizing Him. But now their eyes are opened and they recognized Him. And unfortunately, as soon as they recognized Him, He vanished from their sight. They wanted Him to stay. I think it's very similar to Mary in the garden when Jesus says, Mary, you got to let me go. She wanted to cling on and hold on to Him. I'm, I'm sure that had we walked with Jesus and seen Him die on the cross, we would feel similarly if we saw Him again. I never truly really understood just what the disciples must have been going through when Jesus left them. Forty days after these events. They had walked with Him. They had listened to Him. They had eaten with Him. They had learned everything they could from Him. He was their master, their teacher, their rabbi for three years, and then He left them. What what longing they must have had to see Him again, to hear Him speak to them again. We, we, We have not seen Him. We don't have that same loss that they had. But as soon as they recognized Him, He vanished from their sight. And, and they are just marveling at who He was. That that was Jesus. And in fact, in verse 32, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while He was speaking to us on the road? Like, like He was talking to us and it was just igniting a fire within our hearts and, and we we longed to hear more and we were excited by what we were hearing and it felt so familiar and yet so different. Weren't our hearts just burning within us while He was speaking with us on the road, while He was explaining the Scriptures to us? And so in verse 33, they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. It's too late to go farther. Stay with us. And now they get up that very hour. They don't wait for morning. They go running back to Jerusalem at night with all the danger that that entails. They, they get up that very hour and they return to Jerusalem and they found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them saying the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. So they get back to all the, the, the other disciples and those disciples are talking about that Jesus has shown himself to Simon. That, that he is really risen and he has appeared to Simon. And so then they get to, to uh, tell everybody about their experience. And so they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. So, so first they didn't recognize him when they were on the road. They didn't recognize him and they didn't recognize what he had done and what had happened that weekend. But he started unpacking and explaining Scripture to them and their hearts started to to burn within them with what he was teaching them. 
And they wanted it to last and to continue, so they invited him in. And he came into their homes, and then he broke bread and gave it to them. And that was when they finally recognized who he was because he gave them the bread. And, and they repeat this. They recognized him. He was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. It's a simple, symbolic little thing, and yet that is what his revelation to them was connected to. When he broke bread, when he blessed it and gave it to them, then their eyes were opened and they could see. I think the same thing happens in our lives sometimes. We, we don't fully see Jesus at the very beginning. Sometimes we, uh, we proclaim our faith in Him and we decide to start walking with Him and we still don't fully understand or see Him. But as we have fellowship with Him, as we walk with Him, as we, uh, you know, I, I think of how man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That it's not the bread that He gives us, it's the Word of God, and that is who He is. And as we are nourished by Him, as we grow by Him, we come to, to really be able to see Him and to know Him. And that's what they experienced. Jesus' sacrifice and His suffering, it was necessary. We look at this this week and, and we have been looking at John three sixteen and 17 because of Jesus' sufferings and sacrifice on our behalf and the realization that if we follow Him, we will suffer in this world. That there is a world that is in rebellion against Jesus. It refuses to acknowledge Him, to follow Him, and to listen to Him. And if you do, you're not going to be in the world. And you're going to suffer. His suffering was necessary. If we suffer, that's going to be... If, if we follow Him, we are going to experience some suffering as well. But notice that His suffering is attached to entering into His glory. In the same way, as we walk with Jesus, as we learn from Him, as we grow in Him, as we believe in Him, we may suffer, but we will also enter into His glory. The question for us today is, is do we recognize Him? Do we recognize that He is the Savior, the Son of God? Do we recognize that we do need to be forgiven of our sins? That we have sinned, and it, because of our sin, it is necessary, and it was necessary for Him to die. That since the beginning, since Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes were opened, and they all of a sudden recognized that they were naked, we have all had open eyes that do not see appropriately. We see through sin and we see what we want, but we do not see according to God and His ways. And in the very beginning, the man was cursed to have to work and, and, and toil in, in the dust that he would bring forth crops through the sweat of his brow and that at some point he would die and his body would return to the dust from which he had come from. When the woman was cursed with pain 
in childbirth. That just as he suffers to bring forth food, she would suffer to bring forth children. And the serpent, the serpent was cursed. He was going to have to crawl on his belly, eating dust. But the serpent isn't the one that suffers to bring about. No, the promise was that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head and the serpent would bite his ankle, his heel. Jesus Christ was promised to us from the very beginning that he would die on the cross for our sins, that he would crush the serpent, but it was going to cost him. He was going to suffer and he was going to be in anguish to bring about our salvation. Do we recognize that? Do we recognize what God has done throughout human history? Do we recognize Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? That is the question for us this morning. Because if we don't recognize Him as Lord and Savior, this morning is just another morning. There's nothing special about Easter, about Resurrection Sunday, if if we don't place our faith in Him. It's just another day. The sun comes up, the sun will go down again. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, then this day takes on extra meaning. It was so important to the early believers that these Jewish people who celebrated their day of rest on Saturday stopped celebrating the Sabbath and started celebrating the first day of the week. Instead of the day of rest, the last day, they started celebrating the first day of the new creation when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And what we are called to do is to, to see Him, to recognize Him as our Lord and Savior, and to believe in Him. And this morning, that's my question to you. Do you recognize? Do you see Jesus as the one who died on the cross for your sins that you might be saved, that you might be redeemed? that you might have life. If you have, have you invited Him in? Have you let Him take ownership of who you are? Has He become your Lord and Savior today? That's the question for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have done amazing, miraculous things. We thank You, Father, that You have sent us Your Son and that He was obedient to You. That He went willingly to the cross. That He died for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank You, Father, that You have not let us sit in ignorance, but that You have helped us to see Him. That You have opened up to us Your Scriptures and made them known to us fully. 
that we can understand who Jesus is, the promise that He was, and the fulfillment that He has done. We pray, Lord, like these two disciples, that we would long to spend more time with Jesus. That we would invite Him into our lives. That we would abide with Him and that He would abide with us. We pray, Lord, that You would nourish us with Your Word. And like the two disciples who, as soon as they knew who Jesus was and He had vanished from their sight, they got up and they went and told others, Lord, we pray that we would tell others about Jesus. That we would want to confirm for other people the hope and the light that He can be for them as well. We thank You for Your Son. We thank You for faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, help it to grow in our hearts today. And it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.